0: So, this is a a replica of the parsonage at Epworth where the Wesley family grew up. Um, The first parsonage, before this one, was made of of wood and thatch, um, very flammable. And on a Thursday night, um, the the parsonage burned to the ground. Um, Samuel Wesley, the rector, the pastor, he was convinced that it was started by someone in his congregation, one of his church members. Uh, his daughter Hetty, uh, she was awakened first when some of the sparks from the, the thatch fell on her feet, and it woke her up. And uh, when she began going through the house to 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 wake other people up and to you know to find people uh, realize that that the house was burning. Um, Samuel Wesley, who was Fast asleep, he was awakened by shouts of fire, fire from, from out on the road. Um, so he began running and waking up the, the servants and, and waking up the family. And um, so one of the maids was able to, you know, to, to get the, the children and, and to round them up, and, the, and they were in the kind of the main hallway and uh, trying to get out, but, but they realized they were just surrounded by flames. Like the front door was, was in a complete blaze. Um, so, the maidens and Samuel were able to get the kids downstairs and, and they were uh, able to go out the back windows and, and, and the door, um, but Susanna Wesley, she was really sick, big pregnant. Um, after several attempts, she wasn't able to, uh, to get out the back and so she just said a prayer and walked naked out the front door. Well, they gathered in the garden and, and there, there were neighbors out there. Uh, Samuel uh, and, and and the others they 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 hear this cry. Someone noticed that uh, one of the kids was missing, and that that there was uh, uh, some some crying uh, coming from the attic. And they realized it was John. Uh, John uh, wasn't with them. He was st- he was still in his room, which was in the attic. And so Samuel runs into the house, and he's trying to run up the stairs, flames all around him. But the stairs had been burning so much that they they wouldn't take his weight. And after trying several times, he knew he couldn't get up there to get him. And so it was awful. And so now he's back out uh, in, the, in, the, in the front yard and he gets his family together and, and they kneel in prayer. And they're commending John's soul to God uh, because they know that he's lost. Well, some onlookers had began to gather. And it's a good thing because while the Wesley family was praying and commending John's soul to God, someone noticed a face in the window Now now John um, he had awoken and his room was completely light, so he thought it was morning, and so he opens the door and looks out and realizes that the landing out, out outside of his room is completely on fire. There's no way he can escape. so he climbs up on the dresser and he gets over to the window and someone in the yard saw him, but it was it was too late to to get a ladder. And so um, one man stands on another man's shoulders and and uh, gets him out of the window. As soon as they get John the roof caves in and collapses. And so now they're all out in the front yard. They're not able to save anything. Like all of their stuff is lost. And now Samuel Wesley gathers the neighbors and invites them to kneel together uh, to pray and give thanks to God you know, uh, because he has uh, all of his eight children, um, and that is enough. Uh, he is a rich man. It was that kind of a prayer. It's a crazy story. You notice that the, the Wesley family, um, they're a praying family, and he should be. Like uh, He's a pastor. He should lead his family and lead his flock uh, in God's direction in that way. Um, Uh, Stephen Tompkins, who uh, tells this story, asked, I think, some very interesting questions. He's like, what kind of pastor inspires his congregation to arson and attempted murder? (laughs) And equally, he says, seeing that the only evidence we have that this wasn't an accident is from the word of of a sleeping rector or sleeping pastor, is what kind of pastor immediately accuses his congregation of doing such things. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of messed up, but we're all messed up. We are not as God intended us to be, and we know it. John Wesley knew it too, and, and it made him restless. He had a restless soul and there was a, a longing and, and a yearning in his soul to, to get at um, the Christian life, like this sense that there's got to be more and uh, it, it's got to be better. And he had this lifelong passionate pursuit of holiness. And it was that passion and that pursuit that sparked the great Methodist revival. So John Wesley was this spark that... that started amazing things, and I realized that his mama had a lot to do with that. After the fire, uh, Susanna wrote in her, her journal, um, she wrote to God, I do intend to be more particularly careful of the soul of this child that you have so mercifully provided for. She believed that John was miraculously saved for some great work, and, and John Wesley believed that too. He just always carried with him this sense um, that God has saved his life and that, that he had this great work to do. Um, his, his pursuit in God began at a young age and um, surely that had maybe something to do with his father being the pastor, but it really had something to do uh, with his mom. like His mom, who was also very intelligent and educated, which wasn't, which wasn't really a thing um, in their day, she taught all of the kids. Maybe mostly from the Bible, how to read, memorizing scriptures, um, teaching them how to pray. There was this, this uh, regiment of um, school and, and prayer and study, uh, kind of a 9 to 5 thing. Um, and, and all of the kids were, were brought up in this. And she modeled for them um, the kind of, kind of Christian life that... Um, really brought holiness and really uh, connected people to God like so for example uh, Susanna's um, prayer life like you can imagine their house was full and and their house was busy every nook and cranny there would be a kid doing something and so whenever she wanted to pray or needed to pray um, she would sit in her chair and she would have her apron and she would put her apron up over her head and she taught the kids that whenever they saw her in her chair with her apron over her head, that they were to leave her alone, that she needed quiet. And they knew that whenever they saw Mama in that way, that God was in there with her. That was Susanna at, at prayer, and that was the kind of influence um, that, that uh, the Wesley kids had. Uh, they knew Mama was praying. She had slipped away underneath her apron. Well, well, in our text today, uh, just a few short verses. Um, It's something that that we read a lot about Jesus. Uh, He slipped away. While all this stuff was going on, while people coming after him, trying to find him, he's he's healing and he's ministering and he's preaching. And God is moving in such great ways. Um, But Jesus recognizes his need to be in prayer with God. And so, uh, meanwhile, with all these things going on, uh, he would just slip away. uh, Off to a mountain by himself to pray. Uh, Sometimes he would... would would be there all night and pray. Well, the story um, in Matthew's Gospel, in in Matthew chapter 14, um, uh, Jesus sends the disciples off in the boat and He slips off and He goes uh, and and He prays. And when He's done praying, He comes. and The the disciples are out in the boat. They're far from land. Um, They're being battered by the waves. It says the wind is against them. And so Jesus comes to them and and you know when they see Jesus coming, uh, like they're terrified. And Jesus says, "Just take heart. Uh, it's me. Uh, don't be afraid." And and you know. A question that emerges in my heart, especially for us, as we uh, realize we are a result of the the Great Methodist Revival and the Methodist Movement, um, who. Uh, had a lot of obstacles to overcome. Uh, they had a lot of tough situations. Um, what do we do when the wind is against us? Uh, what do we do when, when we're battered by the waves? Uh, well, well, Jesus would tell us, and John Wesley certainly would, uh, that, that whenever we slip away, uh, whenever we find ourselves connecting with God, um, then it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the wind's going to die down or the, or the storm's going to stop battering against us. Um, but we'll hear Jesus say, take heart, it's, it's me. Uh, don't be afraid. Well, uh, John Wesley decided to be a missionary and uh, he went to Georgia. And so he got into a boat and like the disciples, he got really battered by the waves. I learned that he would never been on a ship before, and in fact, since he was a little kid, he was actually deathly afraid of the sea. And so it's kind of interesting that, that he would agree um, uh, to, to become a missionary in, in Georgia and, and get on a boat and sail all the way to America. And if you, if you wonder why he did this, just read his journal. He said that his reason for going to America was to save his own soul. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, on this boat, they, stu- they suffered five different storms. Uh, and, and oftentimes, they were afraid for their lives. It was so bad that they just knew they were gonna die. And that was very disturbing to John Wesley. You know, like he, he was already restless in his pursuit of, of holiness, in his pursuit of God. But now, what disturbed him was, um, he realized as he was staring death in the face, um, that he was was really afraid to die and unfit and unwilling to die is, is how he said it. so he, he writes about this one particular storm where I mean it was awful like the wind was, was blowing really hard um, the, uh, the the water was coming over the, uh, the mainsail had, had broken into pieces and he, he described it as like the, the sea had already swallowed us up um, and He noticed that the English passengers like they were running, they were screaming and then he noticed the Germans, the Moravians uh, and and they were at peace. When the storm came he was attending a um, Moravian uh, worship service and so they were they were reading the Psalms and when all you know what's breaking loose uh, and everybody else is screaming and going crazy they're still calm. They're still singing the Psalms. And after it was all over, Wesley approaches one of them and like, you know, weren't you all afraid? And he's like, no, we, we weren't afraid because the Lord is with us. And he's like, well, what about your women and children? And he's like, our, our women and our children, uh, they're not afraid to die. And so here was Wesley, just like the disciples, uh, far from land, uh, battered by the waves in this boat, uh, terrified for, for their life. John Wesley meets Jesus in the Moravians. And you know what's interesting? Is that terrified his soul too. Because all of a sudden he realized that something was not right with him. There was something wrong, that he was utterly lost. And so he, he gets to, to Georgia and you know his life had been marked by this very disciplined, very rigorous attempt to please God and to live faithfully um, with, with the, the sacraments and a prayer life and, and a life of serving, but there was just that, that thing missing. And so he knew in his heart that something was wrong. Um, and yet he tried all, all the more uh, uh, to live this, this, this faithful life. And to be honest, he was kind of over the top with this stuff too. Like for example, when the, sh- when the ship lands, and, and gets, uh, and, and gets to, to Georgia, John Wesley confiscates and destroys all of the rum that was on the ship. Like they had brought all of this rum that they were gonna break out for when they landed so all the passengers could celebrate arriving in the New World. And this is the thing. Like from there, he was going to Savannah and I don't know, maybe half of the people uh, on, uh, on the ship were going with him and were gonna be a part of his congregation. Not necessarily the best way to start. And once he's pastoring there, he would do things like, really great things, like a, a five o'clock in the morning uh, prayer service with, 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 with communion. Um, and he got to the point where if you didn't attend the five o'clock prayer service, which happened every single day, then you weren't allowed uh, to, to receive communion with the congregation. Um, he would fast two days a week. And so this expectation uh, of that kind of commitment and, and that kind of rigor, uh, you know, some people, uh, they were all right with it, um, but a lot of people weren't uh, very cool. Um, he had some trouble with romance, and so um, he kind of fled at night to come back to the to, to the ship and uh, another ship and go off to England. Um, the, the mission to Georgia uh, was, was a failure for him. Uh, on, the, on the boat back to England, um, his soul was still in turmoil and he was still trying to, to figure out his life in that way. And again, he connects with the Moravians. He goes to a prayer meeting. Um, as, he's, as he's talking to the Moravians and he's asking about their faith, and he says, I just don't have the faith. I don't have the assurance. And, and their advice is, um, well, preach faith. Because he said, I can't preach if I don't have faith. And they're like, no, preach faith. Even if you don't have faith, preach faith until you have faith. And then when you have faith, preach faith. It's all about faith. That God saves us uh, by grace, through faith. Not by the stuff that we do uh, and this, this regiment of Christian practice, not that those things aren't important, uh, but absent the, the presence of the Spirit and the presence of God, uh, what good are those things? Wesley goes to this prayer meeting, it's famous, you know about it, Aldersgate Street, uh, God just gets hold of him. Uh, his famous line is, my heart was strangely warmed, so this fire uh, s- starts burning within. And what he comes to realize in that is the, is the relationship with God. Uh, that drives everything. And that's when the fires started burning. And that's when the, the Methodist revival uh, started happening. And he was very, very intense and, and committed to, to private prayer. Um, there, there's a, there's a, a reference in his journal where he says, I went over to Kingswood and spoke largely to the children, as also on Saturday and Sunday. I found there had been a fresh revival of the work of God among them uh, some months ago, but it was soon at an end, which I impute chiefly to their total neglect of private prayer. He said, without this, without private prayer, all the other means which they enjoyed could profit them nothing. And in in one of his sermons uh, entitled Scriptural Christianity, He's letting them have it. He's like, may it not be one of the consequences of this that so many of you are a generation of triflers, triflers with God and one another and with our own souls? For how few of you spend one week to another a single hour in private prayer? How many of you have thought of God in the general tenor of your conversation? Who of you is in any degree acquainted with the work of the Spirit, His supernatural work in the souls of men? He was all about pushing us to that place, slipping away to that place where God is. I was reading an article in Runner's World magazine the other day, and I resonated with what the guy was saying. He's like, you know, um, I'm trying to have this discipline of of running so many times a week. I'm trying to... um, you know, get out of this slump and, and to, to live this, this life. And so what he does is, he just makes this commitment. Uh, no serious goals other than just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run every day for 30 days. And then in this article, he talks about the impact that that had. And, I, and something started just singing inside. me. was like, that's my story. Like, I need to run five times a week and yet I'm just running two times a week. And I get to the start line of a race and I'm like, I'm not ready for this race. I'm gonna be miserable at the end, you know? And so I decided, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to begin. I'm going to start running every day, every single day for 30 days. Today, I'm on day 11. I'm 11 days in because I just started. And that's the kind of advice that Wesley would give. Uh, I I want to close just by reading with this this, this letter that he wrote to a guy named John Trenbuth. He says, Oh begin, fix some part of every day for private exercises. You may acquire the taste for which you have not which is tedious at first will afterwards be pleasant. Whether you like it or not, read and pray daily. It is for your life, he says. There is no other way. Do justice to your own soul. Give it time and means to grow. Do not starve yourself any longer. He just says, oh begin. So, I want to invite you to begin with me. Starting tomorrow, May the 1st, 30 days of prayer. Slip away for 30 days of prayer. I want you to email me and tell me that you're in. So, it's day 11. i got to run. I hope you guys have a great afternoon.